On behalf of the Mayflower Church family and staff, I welcome you to this time of worship where through prayer, meditation, and turning our attention to God's word that is proclaimed through word and music, we invite you to find encouragement and hope and peace that God extends to each of us. As I mentioned last week, although we are not physically together in this sanctuary, as scripture reminds, we are indeed nonetheless one in the spirit. For it is the spirit that connects us when we are near to each other, as well as when we are far apart. I also want to share news regarding our life together as a congregation. Although the church facility is currently closed, on our website you will find a a help button on our homepage that will connect you with me and our pastors if you are in need of assistance or able to provide assistance to members and friends of Mayflower in the coming days. Also, please know through our new Mayflower Connects program, your pastors have been and will be reaching out to every member and friend of our church by phone to inquire how our church family might help each other or if you might be in need of pastoral care. If you have a prayer request, also visit our website. We will add you to our church-wide prayer list, if you so wish. Finally, we invite you to visit our Facebook and Instagram pages for timely information, as well as Lenten devotionals and videos from your staff members. In our weekly Friday email, we are now posting our, our Sunday order of service, in case you would like to follow along in the coming week. And now I invite you to prepare your your heart and your soul and your mind to come before that which is holy in our world, that which sustains us by grace, the one who surrounds us with steadfast love, as together we walk the valleys and the hills of life, experiencing both sadness and joy. Hear now our call to worship through the words and wisdom of John Philip Newell. That from our depth, new life emerges. Thanks be to you, O God. That through our body and the bodies of women and men everywhere, heaven's creativity is born on earth. And everlasting bonds of tenderness are forged amongst the hardness of life's struggles. For that, thanks be to you, O God, that in our soul and the soul of every human being, sacred hopes are hidden and then brought forth, visions of earth, peace, and health. Thanks be to you, O God, for that. For those near to us who are in turmoil this day, and for every family that is separated, for the healing and woundedness of our life, we gather to pray. O God of all life and everything, may we now sense your presence beside us, behind us, and guiding us forward in faith, hope, and love. Come, let us worship.
It is a tradition to read a morning psalm in worship, the psalms being a book of the Bible that is similar to a prayer book or, or hymnal, a place where through the written word we encounter humanity's deepest longings, as well as profound insights into the spiritual life. This morning, hear God's word in Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I invite you to reflect on God's word and how it might speak to you this day. And this morning, in a moment of silent meditation. Old Testament reading is selections from the first two chapters of the book of Genesis. And hear now God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees with seeds in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth. And God saw that it was good. 
And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, wild animals each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make humankind in our image, male and female. He created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Then the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work. So on the seventh day, God rested. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Our first New Testament passage is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 7. Indeed, said Jesus to the disciples, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And from Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 17. While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your minna has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, I'd like to share a few thoughts on an Italian 3D printing company, Sisters of Philadelphia. And one of Jesus' most profound teachings. It has been said the Bible is a book that teaches how we are to relate to one another and to the universe around us. How we are to relate, for example, to our father, our sister, a childhood best friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, and a stranger but also how we are to relate to the universe of of untold galaxies and to the world right in front of us. This lectern, for example, for me, and for you, it might be this morning, a a cup of 
black coffee, your family in their pajamas, or an empty home. As you look around, suddenly quieter than it has ever felt before. Meaning, as we study the Bible, what we encounter over and over again are principles for how we are to relate to that which is outside of ourselves. Have you ever given thought to the principles that you use to relate to the world outside of yourself? The church is now in the season of Lent, a word that arises from an old word, lectin, which describes the the promise of our world's rebirth as as light now lectins, lengthens into spring. And this God's light will soon overcome the darkness of a tomb. In Lent, we have been walking alongside Jesus to Jerusalem and paying particular attention to specific moments on that journey. Now, Christians have been doing this for centuries, pausing these stations for a time of reflection, as you might have heard them called, uh, stations of the cross. So far, we have reflected on, on three stations, not necessarily a part of the traditional 14, but, but stations we find in Luke's Gospel. Our first station was mortality. We heard Jesus instruct his disciples at at the beginning of this journey that that he would die. But as the choir sang Four Ways Requiem three weeks ago, we were also reminded our our mortality is but a passageway to what Foray called eternal rest. Our next station was the blind beggar, where we imagined what it was like to see the world with with new eyes, with with open eyes, and we took note how after Jesus healed this man, he immediately began to follow Jesus and to praise God. So too we noted during Lent, let us ask Jesus to open our eyes to the mystery, the wonder, even the danger of all creation, rather than shutting ourselves off. Last Sunday we paused at the station of Zacchaeus, and reflected on how we, too, can hear Jesus' invitation to come down out of the tree of our curiosity, of spiritual matters, to meet Jesus face to face. And by so doing, come to see ourselves as part of a greater whole, and to treat each other with care and concern and compassion. This morning, we turn to, to our fourth station, the station of trust. Like many of you these past few days, I've longed to hear some good news. Stories where where light might glimmer in the darkness, where where hope triumphs over despair, where, where love prevails over fear. Then I read this week about Christian Farkasi, founder and CEO Isnava, an Italian startup company in a country we all know is truly in need of of light and hope and love as they face the daunting surge of the coronavirus. And if you happen to receive our Friday email at the bottom of it, you might have seen a photograph, the kind of image we typically put on our bulletin cover. It was a photo that captured 
eight rows of, of plastic gray-looking things, something you might put on the end of a hose, say, to, to water your garden. Then at the end of that gray plastic thing was what appeared to be a three- or four-inch plastic straw. Did you see that photo? Do you know about this story? As Forbes reports, Christian Forcasi heard a call for help last Friday. The hospital in Ceare in the Brescia area of northern Italy, where the corona pandemic has hit particularly hard, urgently needed valves for its respirators in order to keep the patients who required oxygen alive. The manufacturer couldn't provide them quickly enough, and the hospital was desperate. Forcasi started tinkering with his engineers to reverse engineer a 3D-printed version of the official part. It's called a Venturi valve. It connects to a patient's face mask to deliver oxygen at a fixed concentration. The valves need to be replaced for each patient to keep them alive. By Saturday evening, Forcasi had a prototype. The next day, he bought it to the hospital for testing. They told us, it's good, it works, and we need a hundred. Forcasi, who is 36 year old, said, we printed a hundred of them on Sunday. We gave them all to the hospital, and they are working very well. Those Venturi valves, the size of what might fit on the end of a garden hose, has saved untold lives. Forcasi is now trying to figure out how to 3D print masks. Right after Zacchaeus came down out of the tree and met Jesus face to face, he decides to give away half his possessions to the poor and restore four times to anyone that he might have cheated. Then Jesus tells this parable about a man who goes on a trip and entrusts his servants with money and asks them to put it to use until he comes back. This parable appears in slightly different versions in, in the Gospels, but the point, as Jesus articulates earlier in Luke's Gospel, is this. Whoever can be trusted with very little, can also be trusted with much. Do you think that's true? Whoever can be trusted with, with a little can be trusted with much. Reflecting on that question this week, I was reminded of a phrase attributed to architect Mies van der Rohe, who said this. He said, God is in the details. Meaning where we can find God, where we concern that, that which is significant and profound and holy is in that which is its smallest, along with that which is largest and grandest and greatest. And following that line of reflection this week, I, I turn to Genesis, which describes a God who, yes, created the universe in all its grandeur, light and, and galaxies. All you have to do is search online photos of galaxies taken by the Hubble spacecraft to be, to be amazed at the splendor of the universe. 
But notice how Genesis describes that God just doesn't work on a canvas of of light years. God cares about seed-bearing plants and birds. We catch a glimpse of that kind of God, a God of small things, in our first reading from Luke's Gospel, where Jesus said, God even numbers the, the very hairs on your head. In other words, that which is little really matters to God. Which is why perhaps Jesus taught his disciples the principle for how we are to relate to each other and to our world is this. Whoever can be trusted with with little can be trusted with much. Keely Beanson is a writer who decided to research as she shares her, her grandmother's childhood in Philadelphia, looking for clues about her early life. I knew she was born in October 1917, she writes, and had lived through the flu pandemic of 1918. But reading about that situation in 1980 let me grappling with images of the outbreak, she writes. Hushed streets shut doors, businesses and public spaces shuttered, including churches and schools and theaters. In a single day on October 16, more than 700 people in Philadelphia died from the influenza. Then she came across an oral history of the nuns of Philadelphia, which was titled Work of the Sisters During the Epidemic. She writes, in that document was evidence of the enormous human capacity for personal sacrifice in the name of public good. What happened in Philadelphia in 1918? In early October, the Red Cross warned that Philadelphia did not have enough nurses to treat the sick, whose numbers were now growing rapidly. It was in this tense atmosphere the archbishop called on nuns to leave their convents and to take posts caring for the sick and the dying across the city. Although most of the nuns had little experience of the outside world and no medical training, 2,000 answered the call. They signed on for 12-hour shifts, navigating the unfamiliar streetcar system through a city that was gripped with fear. Dressed in white gowns and gauze masks, these sisters treated immigrants from Italy, Ukraine, Poland, China, black families, Jewish families, the city's poorest, its orphans, its homeless, and its destitute, all those who were in need of care. They washed linens. They served hot soup. They mixed medicine. They brought water ice, blankets, and comfort. One nurse spoke about her trepidation of her first day. I was struck at first, she said, with fearful dread, but realizing what must be done, I quickly put on my gown and my mask and being assigned to the woman's ward, I began my duties. In December, the mayor of Philadelphia publicly thanked the sisters for their help. 
He said, I've never seen a greater demonstration of charity or self-sacrifice than has been offered by these sisters. This fourth station on our journey with Jesus to Jerusalem, we are reminded, indeed, God has entrusted each of us with that which is little. And it is up to us, each of us, to make something of what we have been given. It might be the ability to make something as small and significant as a Venturi valve that can save lives. It might be our ability to to wash linens and to mix medicine, to carry water and ice and comfort to whomever we can. On our homepage, you'll find a help button. We invite you to click it if you need help or you can offer help. For whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. That taught Jesus is how we are to relate to each other and to our world, in particular today and tomorrow and during these complicated and daunting times. For that which is little really matters to God. And it is our choice whether or not it also matters to us. In the name of the Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer, Amen. Our opening hymn today, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, I went looking for reasons why that hymn was speaking so strongly to me during these times. It was written by Isaac Watts, also considered the father of English hymnody. It's a paraphrase of Psalm 90. And I found these words about this hymn. This is one of Watts' greatest hymns on the human condition, setting the shortness of life and the littleness of human beings against the timeless greatness of God, who has been our help in the past and hope in the future. This God also tells us not to worry and the a solo that Scott will be singing in a moment uh, reminds us of that. Consider the lilies of the field. Um, it's, uh, we find that text um, in the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter 6, and the heading of that section of chapter 6 is do not worry. Don't worry that bad things are going to happen to you. That's not the point. The point is don't worry God is with us through the good, through the bad, throughout our lives. As with all organizations, businesses, nonprofits, and churches, 
This is the particular time when we are dependent on our community's generosity to keep the lights on, so to speak, to sustain the services we offer our community. Know your staff has a skeleton crew working hard at church, and all staff members are now working at home. Your church leaders are also working on budgets and strategizing the means by which Mayflower might weather this global storm. On our home page, you will find a a donate button for our weekly offering. There is also a support page on our website with more options to offer financial support. Also this week, we set up a mailbox under our portico. If you wish to get out of the house, the apartment, and share your offering physically with us in an envelope. Your church leaders and I truly appreciate your generosity.
invite you to join with me now in a time of prayer as we draw from the words of a prayer written by Cameron Bell. Come, let us pray. May we, O Lord, who are merely inconvenienced, These complicated and disorienting and stressful days remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember those who are most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or earning enough to pay their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when schools close remember those who have no options. May we who have to cancel our trips remember those who have no place to go. May we who are losing our margin money and the tumult economic market, remember those who have no margin at all. May we who settle in for a quarantine at home, remember, O Lord, those who have no home. During this time, O Lord, when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other, inspire us, guide us to take note of the little things. to embrace this station of trust and to find ways to be the loving embrace of God to each other and in particular to our neighbors near and far. Hear our silent prayers.
also bring before you, O Lord, the particular individuals on our hearts this morning. A mother, a brother, a best friend, a neighbor down the street, all who are facing challenges, physical, medical, emotional, financial, and spiritual. We remember those in our church family who are alone this morning. And we hold fast to your teaching indeed that we are one in the spirit. And we pray for our world, O Lord, for all who are sick this day. And for all who care for them in little acts of care, concern, and compassion. O God of the grandeur of the universe, of whirling galaxies and bright stars, and O God of the little things, of venturi valves and washed linens, hot soap and mixed medicine, water, ice, blankets, and comfort, hear now our silent prayer. Now let us all, wherever we might be, in a home with family, alone in an apartment, recognize that we are joined together by one who is holy in our world, one who sustains us by grace, one who surrounds us with steadfast love, one who taught us to pray together These words, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That taught Jesus is how we are to relate to each other and to our world, in particular today and tomorrow. And during these complicated and daunting times, for that which is little really matters to God. And it is our choice whether or not It matters to each of us. And now as you go out into this day, know the steadfast love of God surrounds you. The peace of Christ attends to you. And the Spirit will guide you this day and forevermore. Amen.